All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody here this morning. And thank you for being here for uh, our class. We're getting ready to start in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. What page is that? It looks like it's page around 23, 22, 23 of the booklet. So, 4? It's 24? Okay, well... Okay, it's page 24 of the booklet then, which, whichever it is, nonetheless, it's 1 Peter chapter 4. So, like I said, we're starting with chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to read the first six verses here because the first question, basically the first question of the chapter, as per usual, is basically uh, what are the main points of the chapter? And you'll notice um, they, they really answer that in the preview above. Our duties as sufferers for righteous, righteousness' sake, verses 1 through 6. And then our duties as those waiting for com the coming of Christ, verses 7 through 19. So I'm going to start by reading the first six verses. This is 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you, not, you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account of him who is ready to judge. I'm sorry. You know what? We did this last week. I apologize. I should have paid more attention to my own note. Yes. My own note, my own note says that we are supposed to be chapter 4, verses 7 through 19, so I apologize for that. I, as I was reading that, I was like, wait, we did this, so. So sorry. My own note here says to start, <clears throat> so let's, let's try that again. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 19. So I'll start there, yeah, and that will lead us to question 8, like Matt was saying. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. 
But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. And we're going to move down to question eight where we should be. All right. So looking at question eight with those verses in mind, in view of the end of all things being at hand, how should we live? Because we don't know when the end will be, right? The end could happen any time, even just for us on a personal level, if you think of it that way. So he says in the verses listed here, 7 through 10, he says we should be serious and watchful in our prayers. Our prayer life is very important. With fervent love for one another, we should remember to care about one another here. That was a big thing that Jesus stressed in his last night with the disciples, was that we love one another and care about each other. Then um, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Well, hospitable can mean a lot of things, I guess. Um, but uh, we can be hospitable to one another without grumbling, right? We can be caring and giving and help each other out without complaining. Uh, ministering our gifts to one another. What are our gifts? Right. Right. We could have a variety of gifts. We could have all kinds of abilities. Some people are really good at things. Um, I'm probably better like at math and with computers than most other things. So that's just the way it is. That's just where that's where I make my living. That's the way things are. But other people are much better. You know. Yes. Uh -huh. So, in using our gifts to, um, like in verse 11, well, uh, to praise and glorify God. So, whatever the, our gifts could be, and it can be, we might look at it as a very small thing. Like, I could babysit your children. I could cut your grass. I could right. take you to the doctor for some appointment you have. Yes. Um, you can help people in various different ways. Right. Right. You can do a lot of things. It, it can be mundane things or it can be more spiritual things. It could be more along the lines of praying or having a Bible study with someone. There's a, a number of different things you can do that we can do to help one another, to minister to one another, right? Right. And in verse 12, the end of verse 12, it says that God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So everything that we do should give God Should bring praise and glory to God, right? Everything we do should, should, right? That's correct. Yes? I, I often think uh, of 
But we're talking about, uh, as a song that we sing, God has no hands but our hands. Right. And so, God came down in the flesh as Jesus Christ, his son, and he showed us how to live. And so now that we know how to do that, our hands have to do what he was doing. It's up to us to do that. Right. We're the, we're the body of Christ. We're the ones here that represent Christ now. So we have to do, we have to take his ministry and do that. We have to be the ones. We're his hands and his feet. And I, I was, I put a note here that this reflects back on Jesus example of service. If you remember, he even went so far as to wash the feet of his disciples. And that was an example of service. He came not to rule, but to serve. And that's what he did. And he gave everything he had into that. So we have a high bar when it comes to the example we have to follow. Sometimes we're on the other end of uh, someone giving to us. And we have to remember uh, the lepers when Christ said to the one that said, thank you, where are the others? And we have to remember that when someone's done a kind deed to us, to tell them thank you and be gracious for what we receive from them. Yes, we should remember to thank people and be grateful for things when people do things for us. That's true because that's how that's and a lot of times that's how God will bless us is through other people sometimes, you know. Yes. Uh, verse 10, I think, should guide us. It says, whatever gift you receive, then use it to serve others. So we may look down and think, well, I can't do anything. I, I don't know what I can do. There's always something. There's, There's always something we can do. We can, we can pray. Like you said, we could be of some comfort in some way. There's, there's things we can do. There's many, many tasks that go into taking care of, say, the building or the property. And there are so many, um, even here in our congregation, that do. <laughs> and they, they do that as a service. They do. And we don't always thank them like we ought to. But there are a lot of ladies here that do a lot of things behind the scenes. Yes. That keep everything going and running. There are people here that do things, yeah, that, that we don't we don't really recognize. I realize that. And that's yeah. Right. Yes, our goal is to serve and be like the Lord. Right. Okay. So if we go to question nine. How should one speak? And I, I think this is in reference to speaking. Um, if we look at, I don't want to get this wrong. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles. Of, it is, you know, it's in reference to us speaking to one another about God's word. That's the way I look at that. Yes, ma'am. Speak as the oracle of God. Of God. What the Bible speaks and be silent. Put the Bible aside. I think that that principle comes from this verse. We should speak, and it really fits to that what we were just talking about the different services. You know, all different gifts we have. Someone's gifts is to speak, and they should do it according to God's will. And it goes on different service. We should do that in the strength of God, and all that. All that kind of goes together. Right. All this, yeah. All this does go together. We 
we want to remember this is, you know, this is a letter and this does all go together. This is all his thoughts um, that Peter is expressing here. And it's, it's, you know, it's very much the, the subject of as the oracles of God, as one's conveying the words of God, when we're speaking, we need to make sure, like you said, that we're speaking what is actually in the Bible. And uh, if the if the Bible is silent, I guess we should be silent because there's some things I know that are that way. Uh, and we should speak with the ability that God supplies, right? Because God gives us all our abilities, no matter no matter what they are. And we should be grateful for that. Yes. I think wrapped up in that, I guess, in my mind, is speaking plainly enough that we are sharing the truth and having honesty and integrity as far as our character goes in sharing God's word and not trying to twist the scriptures or spin them in such a way that fulfills some, something for ourselves, um, but to always be very truthful. Right. We should be presenting the Word of God, the Bible, the way it is in a truthful way, not trying to spin it to suit anything, any, I don't know, any selfish idea or motive that we might have. That's true. Um, so, I think that also refers to preachers. Yes. I, I think it applies to any of us all the time, but Especially if we're getting up here, we need to be careful, I think, about about this and make sure that we're not saying something that's not in the Bible, that we're not saying something incorrect. And if we do make a mistake, because we are human, we just need to, you know, admit that mistake and learn from it and go on. Because we're all human. That's Things are going to happen sometimes. Sometimes we may accidentally make a reference that was incorrect or something. So I've done that myself. So, um, yes. I find it comforting in verse um, 11 there. It says that um, anyone serves that we have the strength that God provides for us. So in whatever capacity we're serving, if that means we're sharing the word, if we're taking care of tasks, if we're being hospitable, if any of these things that we can do, that God will give us the strength that we need to accomplish what He asks us. Right. God will give you the ability to accomplish what you need to do. Look at all the people He used in the Bible. Just take Moses as the first example. He did not feel very comfortable doing that. He didn't feel like he had the ability to speak and do that. And yet, God gave him the ability and worked with him, and he was able to do that. Even though he wasn't perfect, and he didn't go into the promised land himself. And and God said that Moses was very humble, and that he he followed what God said. And that was God saying that himself. He was definitely out of his comfort zone in being a public speaker or a leader. He was like, oh, not me. Yes, he was like, no, don't pick me. Yeah, he's like, surely you can find somebody better, yeah. So, and that's, you know, we have to realize that God will give us the ability the, uh, to do what we need to do. He will, he will help us. He will make it possible for us to do these things, even when they're difficult. 
So that's, and it says, how should one serve as the second part of that uh, question? And we kind of just talked about that because we talked about with the ability that God supplies and some, some translations will say with the strength or power that God supplies. And since he supplies us with everything, that's, uh, that's a pretty plentiful supply. Then it says, why? Why do, why, why these things? Why should we speak in such a way and do things with that ability? Well, it says here that in, yes. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we do these things to glorify God, to show his way to other people in the world. Right. We do these things to, that God may be glorified through Jesus and through our actions, through things that we say and do, that it. It will be it will be an example to others. All right. So if we look at question ten, what should be our reactions to any fiery trial that may come our way? And I would just say trials, temptations, any any of these things. What should our reaction be? We should rejoice. We should, we rejoice, should rejoice that your 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 light has shined. Right. We should rejoice that you said that good. Okay, so that our light has shined as a Christian, right? Right. So yeah, we've uh, we should rejoice because we're suffering. We're partaking. The the part of the answer here is that we're partaking in Christ's suffering. And we should rejoice. Yes. And we shouldn't be surprised about it because Christ suffered. And we shouldn't think it's strange is exactly the way they said it. Yeah, we shouldn't be surprised. We're told in many places that we're going to have trials and troubles here in this life, in this world, uh, the corrupt world that it is. So we shouldn't be surprised by that at all. So, does anybody have anything else on that? Okay. Yes. Um, my friend Sue Walsh has a, a class online on this subject, and she brought to mind about a soldier being trained into battle. And so when he's trained into battle and he goes into battle, he's not to be surprised of what's going to happen because he has been trained. And we as Christians, we study the Word, and so when things come up, we shouldn't be surprised because we study to see what's going to happen. Right. And so if, that prepares us. We have to study. To yeah. Know. And so we can be ready. If we will study the Bible, we will be ready for these trials and temptations and these troubles. And that's that's the idea, that we would be ready just like any, like you mentioned, the soldier. And uh, if we have our armor on, the armor of God, you know, that's a reflection of that in our our daily battle and our daily lives. If we are prepared, then we will be able to handle these things. So if we look at question number 11, what do those who suffer for Christ have to look forward to? I put down a home in heaven. Yeah. 
And that is if you remain faithful. Right. If we're faithful, we have to look forward to, now they say specifically exceeding joy when Christ, when Christ's glory is revealed, but you're right, a home in heaven. So, yeah, we have that to look forward to. No matter what we go through here, no one can take that away from you. And just remember being faithful. We do need to be faithful. We need to follow God and do the best we can. That doesn't necessarily mean we're perfect, but we do want to make sure that we are faithful and that we are trying to represent the Lord in our lives. Then in, if we look at question 12, why is one who suffers for Christ blessed? And you can see that in verse uh, 14. The spirit of glory of God rests upon you. Right, because the Spirit of God rests upon you. And that kind of goes with what Shirley was saying about, you know, your light is shining. So if we're suffering for Christ, that's because we're doing something right, okay? If, if you're suffering for the word, for the message, for God, then, yeah, you're doing something right. Um, there is a second thing they mention here. Uh, on their part, Christ is glorified. That means, again, you're glorifying Christ through your suffering. Let's see. So then we have question 13. For what reasons should a Christian not suffer? Yes, man. Doing wickedness because that's not what Christians should do. But I mean, you could do those things and suffer for it, but you're not going to be rewarded for that suffering. Right. We shouldn't be doing evil things, wicked things, wrong things. And there, the, he does give a list here as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer. That's really that encompasses everything, right? A busybody in other people's uh, matters, which I think people's nature is always a little, you know toward gossip and stuff a little bit. So we have to be careful of things like that as well. Um, but yeah, we shouldn't be suffering for doing the wrong things. We should be doing the right things even when we suffer, regardless of what it costs to follow the Lord. That's what we should be doing. It's not always easy, and it's easier to actually fall into the wrong things. And that's uh, something we have to watch out for too. Does anyone have anything else on that before we move on? All right, so question 14, how should one react if they suffer as a Christian? Praise God. Do not be ashamed, right? So that's, that's really the two main points was do not be ashamed and glorify God, right? Praise God. Again, it means that you're doing something right, as I say. That's kind of a, uh, anyway, that's just kind of a, what, that's an old saying or just a regular saying that if you're, if you're getting into trouble with uh, Satan, if Satan's bothering you, then you're doing something right. So, all right. 
So if we look at question 15, upon whom does the judgment of God begin? It begins with us. It begins with God's family, God's house, his children. So then who will face the greater judgment? Right. Those that are not following God, that are not in the house of the Lord, those who do not obey the gospel of Christ. And you'll notice this is, this is uh, well, these the next question, too, kind of touches on this same subject. Uh, who will scarcely, who will be scarcely saved? Question 16. The righteous. Even if we're faithful, because we're not, we're still not perfect. Even if we're faithful, even if we follow the Lord to the end, we will scarcely be saved. So that's like barely. We will just just make it, like by the skin of your teeth. Ain't that what the saying is? So, so it's very difficult for anyone that's not following the Lord, of course, to make that. Now, question 17, what should those who suffer according to the will of God do? If you look at verse 19, to entrust our souls to be a, uh, to our faith of greater in doing what is right. Right. Commit. And mine says it a little differently, but same idea. Commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. We should be committed to God, to the Lord, in doing good. As and remind ourselves, he's a faithful creator. He is God is faithful. There is none more faithful than him. He is faithful to us. Well, there used to be a saying in the past you, you keep on keeping on. Yeah. You just keep on being faithful. Right. Uh, yeah. That's what you need to do. You, you need to remain faithful. You keep on being faithful. You keep on regardless. Right. Because sometimes things will be against you. Sometimes you will have trouble, you will have trials, and you keep going anyway because that's the right thing to do to follow the Lord. That is not an easy thing to do. No. When you are faced with being persecuted, uh, sometimes almost daily, you need to remain faithful. And that's really hard. That is a very hard thing to do. But... Um, in the end, you have to you have to be focused on the cross. You have to stay faithful if you want a home in heaven. Right. We have to stay focused. Well, like in uh, the first couple of verses of Hebrews eleven, I think it is right. We need to stay focused, keep our eyes focused on the Lord, and follow Him. And that's what we have to do every day, even when we're going through persecution, like you said. If we're going through that. Does anyone have anything else on that? All right, so we're going to move forward to chapter 5. And I'm 
we're not doing very good. There we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go past the summary and try to get us down. Here we go. So I'm gonna look at the first question is just the main points of the chapter. So this is chapter five, and the main points of the chapter, uh, the duties of shepherds and the flock, and that's in the first five verses. And then the duties to God and Satan in verses 6 through 9. And then concluding remarks in verses 10 through 14. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with those three breaks because that works pretty good for me. So hopefully, hopefully that will work for you as well. Um, so we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. The elders who are among you I exhort... I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if we look at question two, how does Peter identify himself as he exhorts the elders. So he says he's, he says there he's a fellow elder, right? And if you remember, I, okay, somebody can tell me if I'm wrong. If I remember correctly, wasn't he kind of leading the Christians in Jerusalem previously? Wasn't he leading them? He preached no. the first gospel sermon. Well, Yes, he did preach that gospel sermon in, in Acts, yes. But I, I was, for some reason, I was thinking he was like kind of leading them there in Jerusalem. Now, at the time he wrote these letters, I believe he was elsewhere, but nonetheless. And still then, he was writing these letters to other congregations, so. Nonetheless, that was just a thought, just a question. So, um, also he says... Um, there's, there's two other things. He says he's a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He's letting them know that he is, he saw him firsthand, reminding them of who he is. He was a partaker of the glory to be revealed. And a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. By walking with Christ and being his apostle, that's how he was able to do that. He was given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right, right. He had the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he, he got to actually walk with Christ, yes. He was there when Christ ascended back to heaven. Yes, he was there when Christ ascended into heaven. We can read that in Acts as well. Pardon me. Um, so as a partaker of the glory that will be revealed... Is he referring, this is, this is a, a thought, he is, is he referring to what's to come? It's kind of what it sounds like he's referring to, the glory that will be revealed, right? 
So we can all, yes. Well, yeah, like Jim said, uh, when he was taken up into heaven in the cloud, the angels asked the men down below, what are you, you know, looking up? He's going to come back in a cloud, and so he's going to be revealed again when he comes back to get us. Right, he will He will come back again, right, then, yes. But did you have something, Matt? Yes, uh, sometimes the, this phrase is used, already, not yet, sort of tension. That the kingdom is already here. Christ is reigning. But then there's some things we're looking forward to when he returns as well. And, and so, since he's partaker in the glory, so Peter is in the church and he's part of the kingdom, and but, but there's some things to be revealed yet, too. So, right. we can enjoy it now, but we know there's more. Right, we know there's more to come. And, and yeah, the spiritual, spiritually, the kingdom is here. And we're citizens of that kingdom. So, yes, definitely. Uh, even though we're waiting for the, what, the literal, more physical to come. Yes? Yes. Peter was present at the transfiguration, if I remember correctly. Could be, could be. Remembering the transfiguration, it could be a little bit of what he's thinking too, because he saw something there that, you know, we we don't get to see. We we read about. So, but yeah, so he's he's saying as a partaker of the glory that will be revealed that that is to come. There is still still much to come. It would be revealed to Peter too to allow the Okay, hold on. Surely, one. He was there on the day of Pentecost speaking. Yes, he was there on the day of Pentecost speaking. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. So, let's see. Um, let's do one more question, and then we will. I think we will call it good for this morning. What is the duty of the elders? Question number three. Well, yes. Shepherd the flock that is among them. Right. We're the, we, not we, I'm not. But anyway, uh, yes, as an elder, to shepherd the flock of God among them. That would be Eldred and Jim if he was here this morning. But Jim is feeling bad, so just let you know. But... Um, to shepherd the flock of God among them. And what does the shepherd do? If you remember that, um, he feeds the flock. He, he feeds the flock. He guides the flock. He protects the flock. Yes. I look at them as sort of a guard in a way Yep. Yeah, if if someone's straying off, you bring them back and and you know correct that error. There's there's a lot going on there. There's protection, protecting from false teaching or anything that might you know like you said might slip in. 
Right. Right. So, so the elders are being like shepherds, and shepherds do a lot of things for the flock. Yes, ma'am. So in addition to being the shepherds, it also amplifies that say, exercising oversight or serving as overseers. They're, they're watching out. They're looking. Uh, right. Like a supervisor, we might say, in a, in a business environment or something, but they're sort of watching out for them. Yes, they have to watch out and supervise and make sure that things are being done accordingly and being done correctly. And we're not, like I said, not straying off. You know, Jim, sometimes when I get off topic and I wander off too far, he says, hey, you know, this is what the Bible says. Come back to that. <laughs> so, you know, that's part of that's part of the job. That's part of what they do. So, there to be all example, right. There to be examples. Of the flock also. Yes, and to be examples. Right. Right. So, all right. I want to thank you all for your time. That'll be it for today. We'll come back uh, next week and we will start with question number four. Thank you very much.